0: Hey friends, welcome to Enough for Today. Thanks for joining me. We are in Psalm 52 and we're experiencing David preemptively celebrating the fall of his enemies even though he's running and hiding right now. Now let me just step back from this and drive home the uh, value of this practice, okay? <clears throat> and I thought of a, of a good example a little while ago. Um, if you live in a cold climate, like uh, the northeast, like where we live, where I live, I should say. Um, you come into the fall, and it's beautiful, the trees, and changing colors, and the air starts to get brisk, and you start to smell wood smoke, and there's something about that season that's awesome. It's hot chocolate and, and hot beverages and pumpkin spice, everything. And then you come into the winter and, and, and the holiday season, and it's almost magical. It's almost beautiful. Uh, it's just there's a there's a mystical, romantic, delightful, peaceful quality to it, especially when the first early snow starts to fall. And I would say that lingers all the way through December into early January. <clears throat> and um, the cold is is uh, it drives you indoors. you light candles, you light fires. You sip coffee, you watch snowfall. Snow days are great because you sleep in and you enjoy the time, unless you're <laughs> into snow removal. Um, but about mid-January, second, third, maybe fourth week of January, it starts to wear on you. The clouds hang low. The gray days are short. It's a lot of darkness. And it's not even as short in Connecticut as it is in many other places on the planet. But you're dealing with a lot of darkness, a lot of cold, a lot of gray. And if it's not frozen, then it's slushy and kind of muddy and wet. And um, it, it, there's no leaves on the tree. So everything's stark. It's, the world goes black and white. <clears throat> the cold weather just <clears throat> gets to your bones. By about the first or second week of February, you start to, it, at least I do, and I'm, I'm sure many do, you start to feel that emotionally. Now, there's a lot of things that can help with it. I mean, I take vitamin D, try to sit in the sunshine when it's out. Um, there's all there's, I could list probably 20 or 25 ways of coping with that, uh, that thickness. One of the ways is to get out of it for a little while and take a break, which usually Dana and I go to Florida or some sunny place um, for a week or two. So uh, there's that. But <clears throat> here's one practice. Worship is a big practice, lighting candles and creating warmth and comfort and coziness, <laughs> comfort foods. Um, but there's one practice that Really, really is um, very powerful. Okay, and that is the pow- the, the, the the practice of anticipation. <clears throat> so I know by early March, if I'm in an emotional fog, if I'm in a weather fog, if I'm in low gray days, we haven't seen the sun in six, eight days, whatever. I know that just ahead, there's going to be a break in the weather. And everything's going to come to life. So, uh, in Connecticut, that happens late April, early to mid May. Everything pops, pastels. uh, The trees come to life. The leaves come back. The grass greens up. The weather thaws. You start to the days get longer. You can start to sit outside. You can start to take walks or bike rides. Um, and really enjoy the warmth and then it take honestly it takes me a couple weeks for my bones to thaw out like just sitting in the sun taking walks in the sun uh, taking bike rides in the sun and the warmth starts to come back and ever since cancer my blood flow isn't what it used to be anyway so uh, I'm just generally cold even this summer to be honest with you but um, that's just that's just what I carry with me but here's what I'm driving at there's this amazing practice of being able to enjoy preemptively something that you're looking forward to, okay? Anticipation. David, from the depths of his vulnerability, is reminding himself of his security, his durability in God, and he is anticipating, enjoying, God's ultimate vindication of him. And that's why he says, the righteous shall, verse 6, Psalm 52, verse 6, the righteous also shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that, that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Okay, so all of that is David leaning into, God's going to make this right, this man. I'm going to one day be looking at this man and saying, there's the guy that trusted in his riches and his strength and and chose wickedness instead of God. Chose to be an unbeliever instead of a believer. Now look at verse 8. But, okay. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this. Okay, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Now this is, this is a verse to lock in. I mean, don't just think about it today. Just drive it to the depths of your soul. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Now, first thing I want to bring out is he doesn't feel like a green olive tree in the house of God. He feels like a desperate, fleeing-for-his-life peasant um, who's being hounded and uh, hunted literally by an army by a powerful king okay so he feels vulnerable oppressed in danger right on the edge but he's distinguishing between his feeling and his reality the truth of it because he knows he's trusting in god's mercy which makes him saved he knows god has given him a calling and a work to fulfill as the king of israel he knows that because god's already given him that okay He knows that God is going to bring vengeance. It's not coming now, but he he knows it will. And so he is putting himself there, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, psychologically. He is putting himself there, and he is preaching now to himself and declaring what he knows himself to be. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Now, the image that immediately comes to my mind is the olive trees on Temple Mount. Olive trees are abundant, as you know, in the Mediterranean region, okay, whether you're in Athens or or Israel, <clears throat> they're they're pretty much everywhere. Olive trees, olive trees, and almond trees, and lots of other fruitfulness, but especially on Temple Mount, there's olive trees, and in the day of David, or in the idea of David, now, so at this time, Israel is not... The capital hasn't been moved to Jerusalem, okay? Um, so the place of worship in Israel at the time of this writing is Shiloh. Shiloh is just north of Jerusalem, um, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. It, it It's interesting to visit there because it's a, um, geog- um, topographically, it's a miniature of Jerusalem. And I don't want to take the time today because I'm running out of time to explain what that means, but... When you stand at the peak of uh, the old city or the old ruins of Shiloh, and you look down to where the tabernacle would have been, with where Hannah prayed, where Eli was a priest, um, it's it's like you're standing on Mount Zion, looking down on Temple Mount, but without all the buildings and out all the city there, it's literally the same topography. The old city of David, the, where the Temple Mount is, and then the valley, which would be uh, the, the the valley of the Kidron Valley, and then a hill that comes up on the other side and kind of surrounds the area, uh, which would be the Mount of Olives and some of the other mountains across the valley from from Old City Israel, so or Old Town uh, Jerusalem, I should say. Um, so when you're standing there uh, at the peak of Shiloh, you look down. There would have been a tabernacle. And three times a year, all the tribes of the nation of Israel would have gathered at Shiloh or Shiloh, um, the way they say it in Hebrew, and they would have had feasts and festivals and, and merriment and music and worship, and they would have gone to that to that tabernacle spot where they would have pro- provided their sacrifices, they would have celebrated their God, they would have in- enjoyed each other, enjoyed their feasts, enjoyed, enjoyed God, okay? And in the proximity of that tabernacle would have been olive trees on the grounds okay and what the idea is the permanence of that olive tree uh, growing in the presence of God and bearing its fruitfulness season by season by season just see in and out of season the steadfastness of this olive tree sitting and growing and rooting in uh, the presence and the protection and the provision and uh, all the blessing of God all the favor of God David is saying I'm like that olive tree I'm planted It's permanent. God is with me. I'm with him. And I'm going to go in and out of season. Seasons are going to ebb and flow. But I'm like that olive tree in the house of God. Why? Because I've trusted in the mercy of God forever and ever. So beautiful, powerful, transformational reality. When the world is melting down around you, you are like an... If your faith is in the mercy of God... You're like an olive tree planted at Shiloh, at the tabernacle. The very presence of God flourishing you, bringing fruit in and out of season. He's got you. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you tomorrow.